Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Somebody needs to speak to that mountain. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. Do you have your Bibles? Yes. Yeah. What does it say? Since you've been born again, say with me. Yeah, I meant born again, but that's good. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Are you born again? How many born again believers here? Yeah, are you born again? You are born of God's word. You are born of God's word. You are born of the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. You're not born of a perishable seed. You're born of the imperishable seed, which is the word of God. Do you know what's the beauty of a seed? The seed may look small. You can hold it in your hand. But the power and the potential that seed carries is unimaginable. A small seed has the power to become a tree. And that tree has the power to give fruits. And every fruit has power to produce more seeds. Cyclically, it just goes on and on. You are born of the imperishable seed, which is the living and abiding word of God. You're born of that seed. Do you know there's a seed of greatness in each one of us? And that seed has the ability to become bigger. Bigger than what it was. Okay? It was deposited within you as a seed, but it is not there to remain as a seed. No, no, no. You're not getting it. You don't understand You received God's word as a seed. But it is not there to remain within you as a seed. It is there as a seed so that it can grow. It needs to grow. It needs to grow and that is why it is there. So that seed has the ability to not just overpower your mind and heart. So that you have your, your personality changes. Yes, we need that. But that seed has the power to really transform your bodies as well. So we are born again, not of the perishable, but of the imperishable. What does imperishable mean? It doesn't perish. It never dies. Jesus told Nicodemus, truly I tell you, if you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That word born again, I was, I was doing a word study on it. It's more accurate to say, if you're not born from above, born from above. Born from above doesn't necessarily mean geographically up. It means born from a superior reality. You are born from a superior 
reality. The day you received Jesus, a seed was deposited within you from a superior reality. You are born from above. Born from superior reality. 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is 15 verse 50, says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit God's kingdom. Flesh and blood cannot inherit God's kingdom. So who can? Those who are born of the Spirit. Are you born of God? Are you born of God's word? Are you born again? Born from a superior reality? Then you can inherit God's kingdom. You can inherit God's kingdom. Now, God's kingdom, we're not just talking about God's kingdom that comes with Jesus in his second coming. We're talking about God's kingdom that Jesus established just before he left. He established a kingdom here right now. Did you know that? There's a kingdom of God that he established right before he left. So, you can inherit that kingdom. Inherit meaning you can enjoy whatever that kingdom has. You can enjoy whatever the kingdom has. So, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. If you are born from above, you have become a citizen of God's kingdom. Becoming a citizen of God's kingdom is much greater than any church membership. Because once you become a citizen, you inherit the reality of God's kingdom. The reality of God's kingdom is righteousness, peace, joy. So righteousness, peace and joy is your portion. It doesn't come by just praying. It doesn't come by reading the word. It comes when you are born from a superior reality. Are you born from a superior reality? The day you received Jesus, the day you said yes to the gospel, you received a seed in your life within you. There's a seed. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, those who heard the gospel and believed in the gospel, they were sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. So you are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, it is not just Sam. It is Sam and the Holy Spirit. Now it's no longer I. Why? I has been crucified. I is dead. Now it's we. Me and, me and the Holy Spirit. Me and God. Not Alvin alone. Alvin and Holy Spirit. That's what marriage is. You know, Ashish is going to get married in May and I keep telling him. And I, and I keep telling him this verse that you've been confessing, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. You will actually experience it. Because this I has to die. This I has to die. It becomes we. It's not a negative thing. This I is ego. My ego needs to die. 
so that it's we. Your ego has been crucified with Christ. Your ego no longer lives. But every time you see the power of resurrection when your ego comes alive. Power of resurrection. How dare he says that? Does he even know who I am? I'm working in so-and-so office on this in this post. How dare he talks to me like that? I'm going to complain to him about, you know, I'm going to complain about him to the pastor. <laughs> it didn't happen, okay? It's just a <laughs> imaginary. We don't have such issues in our church. We're lovely people. Amen. Amen. Where was I? Uh, so, you have God's kingdom. You have inherited God's kingdom just by becoming born from a superior reality. Mind you, you don't do any work to be born. Your parents did the work in that sense, right? We don't do any work. It's by grace. So Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For we have been saved by grace through faith. You can only put your faith in what grace provides. You can't put faith beyond the boundaries of God's grace. You can only put faith in what grace has already provided. So grace gives, faith takes. Faith takes what grace gives. Okay? Now, everything that I just told you, let's go back to the story of Exodus. How many people were there in Egypt? Two million people. Two million people. God delivered them out of Egyptians so that they could go to the promised land. So in God's mind or in God's plan, in that sense God's will, God's will was for each one of them to enter the promised land. Are you hearing me? But how many actually entered the promised land? Two, not even Moses. Was God's will for everybody to enter the promised land? The land flowing with milk and honey? Absolutely yes. But how many actually entered? Why? What went wrong? Nothing wrong with God's promises. Nothing wrong with God. What went wrong? Because the two million people, they were not willing to step in. It had nothing to do with God. Because they kept on saying, they kept on confessing, did you bring us here in the wilderness to die? They kept on confessing that. They kept on saying, Moses, why have you brought us here? In fact, read with me Exodus chapter 14 verse 4. Exodus 14 verse 4. Sorry, not Exodus, Numbers. Numbers 14 verse 4. Numbers 14 verse 4. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Why? Because those two million people whom God delivered, their mindset has not yet been renewed. They're still slaves in their mind. They were born slaves. Their parents were slaves. 
So they don't know anything else other than being a slave. So because they had a slave mindset, they really could not possess the promised land. Only among, among the two million, only there were two people who said, let us go at once. Why? Because they did not put faith in their own ability. They put faith in what God said. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to say that the promised land is heaven and that you will miss heaven. All of you will go to heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. But your promised land is the destiny that God has for you. While you live on this earth. Uh, see, just think about it. If the only idea for all believers was to get to heaven, then what are we doing? What are we doing right now? Let's pray to God and ask God, bring the angel. Have you thought about it? Say with me, there's a purpose why you're here. Okay, there's a purpose. There's a God-given purpose. And God's purpose is that that destiny be fulfilled in your life. God has a destiny for you. Okay? So if you, if you consider that destiny is like a promised land, which is flowing with milk and honey, from two million people, only two entered their destiny. Why? Because they really could not change their mindset. Their mindset blocked them. So they, even though they were out of, the, out of Egypt, every time they were in wilderness, they encountered a problem, they wanted to go back. Right? And they kept grumbling, kept murmuring. Now, if you, if you notice Abraham's story, Abraham was called at the age of 75. He gets his promise fulfilled at the age of 100, right? 25 years he's journeying with the Lord. If you see Abraham's story, even Abraham fails a lot of times in trusting God. Does he fail in trusting God? How do you know that? Because he lied. I, I get it if you lie once, but you lie twice. The same lie. At least change your strategy. No. <laughs> same lie. And then he sleeps with his servant, right? So you see, at times, again and again, Abraham is not really able to grasp what God is saying. He fails to trust God, but still God is so forgiving. And every time he fails to trust, God comes to him and renews his promise. Abraham, I come to you and let me renew my promise to you. And every time Abraham fails, God's promise to him is much bigger than what he said last time. The first time it was, I'll take you to a land. The second time it was, I'll give you an offspring. And then he becomes more specific. Then he says, I will give you an offspring through Sarah. So his promise is getting bigger and bigger. Right? Now, why is God being partial to Abraham? Why, why doesn't he show the same grace to Israelites? Because you have to understand something. Even though Abraham did miss out on God's promises, did miss out on not getting the whole picture of his word, Abraham, somewhere, he still believed. There was He did not give up on God. 
these israelites gave up on god they didn't want to go to the promised land see god will not take you where you don't want to go that's the truth so god has an amazing destiny for you on this earth not heaven on this earth god has an amazing destiny for you but he will not take you there unless you do not say yes these israelites they kept on saying oh we want to go back to egypt or oh, we want to die here did you bring us so that we could die and that's exactly what happened god said let it happen as per their words you know till the till the moment god did not say that was grace when god does not allow your words to become your reality it is grace you know god is protecting you from your words finally god says okay let it happen according to to their confession and each one of them died What's the difference between Abraham and these Israelites? Abraham did not give up on God. Even though even though he did really crazy stuff, more sinful stuff in that sense than the people of Israelites, he did not give up on God's goodness. Did not give up on God's goodness. So one verse that I have for you is Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 verse 20. this is talking about abraham no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of god but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to god fully convinced that god was able to do what he had promised so it's okay if you make mistakes along the way it's okay if you're not hitting the right notes at all times but what matters is do you give up on god's word because god cannot take you where you don't want to where you don't want to go he can only take you when you say yes and out of the 2 million people sadly only two people said yes okay Now I said God has a destiny for you. Do you believe that? God has a destiny for you. And can I tell you something that destiny is not heaven. I'm serious. That destination where God wants to take you, your promised land is not heaven. I'll say that again. Your promised land the destiny that god has for you is not heaven he has a much bigger plan than that he has something better than heaven all christians are dying to go to heaven not kidding they have no purpose here on the earth dying to go to heaven the moment they hit 60 waiting for retirement lost all purpose on the earth and god take me your purpose is not to go to heaven 
Do we get to heaven if we die? Oh, yes. Absolutely, yes. But that's not your purpose. That's not your purpose at all. See, it's like when I book my flights to the US and I have a layover in Dubai, I don't make a big deal about being in Dubai when my destination is the US. Your layover is in heaven, but that's not your destiny. You don't make a big deal about your layovers because you know where you're heading. I want to show you where you're heading. Are you with me? So let's see what the scripture says. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. Romans 8 verse 29. Do you see the verse? What does it say? For those whom he foreknew. What is the meaning of foreknew? Foreknew is made from two words. Before and knowledge. Okay? Before knowledge. Foreknowledge. Okay? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Say with me, predestined. So God has predestined something for you. That means God has a destiny for you. Now what does it say? He predestined you to be in heaven. Does the verse say that? What does it say? He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. God has a destiny for you which is bigger than heaven. And that destiny is for you to become conformed to the image of Jesus. Don't wait for heaven. Let not your eyes be on heaven. Let your eyes be on what God is doing within you that is to transform you so that you could be conformed to the image of Jesus. You are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Let me say that again. You are to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's your destiny. So irrespective where you are, be it on earth, be it in heaven, that's your destiny. If you get to heaven and you still haven't been conformed to the image of Jesus, there's a lot more that you need to possess. We are thinking, oh, we made that sinner's prayer and now we are going to La La Land. That's it. There's a lot to possess, my friends. There's a lot to possess. Our destiny is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's why don't think in terms of earth, heaven and hell. Think in terms of where you are today and where God is seeing you. God sees you conformed to the image of Jesus. That's why when I began I said, you are born of the imperishable seed. You're born of the imperishable seed which is the word of God. You're born of God's word. It's that same seed that produced Jesus in Mary. Mary received a seed from the Holy Spirit. And that seed formed Jesus in, his, in her womb. 
and you have the same seed and that seed has the ability to be conformed to the image of Jesus do you know you have something that the old testament saints did not have i love moses i love david i love joshua i love caleb i love their courage i love their faith but your starting place is much 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 more from where they even left why because you are born of god's imperishable seed there's a destiny that god has for you there's a dream that god is seeing in your life and that dream is that he wants you to be conformed to the image of his son you know faith is us believing in god right we believe in god's goodness but do you know that god believes in you Ephesians 1 verse 4 says he chose us in him before the foundations of the earth to be holy and blameless what i'm trying to say is even before you were born on this earth god knew you and god predestined saying alvin i believe in you to finish this journey oh in that journey if it requires for you to have a ministry amen to that in that journey if it requires for you to have a business amen to that but it's 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 that destiny that's more important and that is to be conformed to the image of his son to be conformed to the image of his son for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son he sowed one son and now he has so many sons oh man your destiny the promised land is to be conformed to the image of his son to be conformed to the image of his son to be conformed to the image of his son now please understand something when god sees you he sees the end from the beginning okay so when you look into your mirror and you see am i conformed to the image of jesus oh heck no there's a lot to be worked upon but do you know what when god sees you he sees you conformed that's how god sees you how do i know this Romans 8 was 30 what does it say for those whom he called he also justified what's the next verse i don't have it in my notes for those whom he called he also justified and then what he also glorified do you see that word for those whom he predestined he also called whom he called he also justified whom he justified he also glorified do you notice something the tense over there is past it's not he will do it he has done it 
No, you're not getting this. I'm telling you again so that you get it, okay? So when God sees you, he sees the end from the beginning and he says, Alvin, you are conformed to the image of my son. You're conformed to the image of my son. That's why he told the Israelites, hey guys, I've given you the promised land. I've given you. But they're not there yet. They're still in the wilderness. But God says, I've given you. You're already conformed to the image of a son. That's how God sees you. If you and me begin to see how God sees, we'll be conformed just like that. It's not a matter of time. That's what I said. It's not a matter of time. It's a matter of revelation. We think, oh, maybe another 20 years when I become experienced. Your experiences don't matter in the kingdom. What matters is revelation. That's why you could, you could be that church member for the next 50 years and still stay in that same immature level because you did not humble yourself to learn God's word and to grow in his revelation. Yeah? So your destiny is to be conformed to the image of his son. And all that you need is a revelation. Revelation. Do you know the story when uh, the disciples go and Jesus walks on the water? And the moment Jesus steps into that boat, the boat reaches the shore. I've, I've never heard anybody preach on that. Because that was never considered a miracle. But one day when I saw, man, that's crazy. Just think about the disciples. They were in the middle of a lake. But the moment Jesus steps in, they reach the shore. Immediately. Can I tell you something? It's not a progressive revelation. It's a download. You can be transformed. That's why Paul said, in the twinkling of the eye. We are thinking, oh, one day, you know, after all of the 666 happens, all of that thing, and then Jesus will come, and then twinkling. of It is all waiting on your revelation of Jesus. As you see him, you will be transformed. Can you believe that? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to show you something, okay? Stay with me. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Okay. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient meaning temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal so Paul is saying the invisible realm that you don't see is permanent and the visible realm that you see is temporary the visible realm that you see is temporary the invisible realm is more powerful than 
the visible realm. One of the reasons why these two million people could not possess is because they only saw what could be seen. What could be seen was the wilderness, what could be seen was Egypt, but they could not see the invisible reality that the word held. The word, the word of the Lord, the promise of God holds an invisible reality. John 17 was 17. Um, Sanctify them by your truth and your word is truth. That word truth over there comes from the Greek word aletheia which means reality. Your name. Reality. Truth means reality. So in God's word is God's reality which cannot be seen by your physical eyes but there's an invisible reality that takes the eyes of faith to see you can only possess what you see. So when God says something you have to see it through the eyes of faith you have to see in the invisible reality because the invisible reality is much greater much powerful than the visible one so the two million people they could not possess because they could not see what God was seeing you and me are not able to possess the destiny because we are not seeing what God is seeing God sees you you are chosen You are conformed to the image of Christ. God sees you that you are completely redeemed. Not in the process of being redeemed. You are completely redeemed. Can I tell you something? I I have nothing against therapy. But what faith can do, therapy will take years. Because you put faith in what God says. That's what Abraham did. He did not waver, but he believed that God was able to do what he said. So when you put faith in God's word, you see what God sees. And when you see what God sees, you possess what he sees. So if you keep confessing to yourself, oh, I'm an introvert, I'm shy, I'm I'm poor, I'm sick, I'm this, I'm that. If you keep confessing, that is what you're going to possess. Not that God does not have something greater for you, but you keep confessing it because you keep seeing it. That is the only thing that you will possess. So, But if you see what God sees, that you have been made righteous by His blood, you are redeemed by His blood, oh, you have been, you have been purchased, you have been made holy, You are holy. You are chosen. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. If you can see what God sees, I can tell you, you can possess it. You can possess it. Because it's not a matter of time. You know, when God wills, it will happen. No. God has already willed it. That's why he sent his Jesus. Now it is for you to will it. Don't blame on God's will. You know, have you heard? I don't know what God wants from me. It's such a mystery. God's will is not a mystery. I know what God wants to do. It's right here. It's not a mystery. 
it used to be a mystery not anymore after jesus it's not a mystery in fact read with me ephesians chapter 3 i want to show you this so that you will never use that as an excuse ephesians chapter 3 was 9 and 10 and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in god who created all things so that it used to be a mystery not anymore so that through the church say with me through the church so you dare not say that god's will is a mystery because you have become the church why so that through the church the manifold wisdom of god might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places do you know devil has no idea what god is going to do but you do know that and it is your purpose to reveal to the devil and his principalities what god is going to do god's will is not a mystery at least not for you guys it's not a mystery it's a mystery for the devil he's he's wondering it's not a mystery so every time you're attacked with something don't elevate him and put him on the pedestal or oh, the devil is powerful understand what god's will is Ah, hallelujah if you see you can possess can you see what god sees that is why we read the bible we don't read the bible to get brownie points from god god oh there one angel of the lord is like put 10 points for griffinder <laughs> put 10 points for you get it you get it you get what i'm saying you read the word so that you can see what god sees you have set apart by your truth and your word is truth god's reality is in his word so we read god's word so that we can see what he sees and if you can see what he sees you'll be transformed as he sees completely transformed we are sick because we don't see how god sees us we are still struggling with the same habitual sin because we don't see how god sees us if you can see what god sees how do you see amen i'm asking you guys if you can move from feeling christianity to faith christian give it one year you will see the difference one year will be enough for you to know how much you have grown feeling christianity when you feel god you feel great when you don't feel god you don't feel great but god did not say without feeling it is impossible to please god it said without faith what do you put faith in you put faith in god's word and that god is good I'm smiling. I'm smiling. I'm not angry. I'm smiling. Amen. So possess your destiny. 
God has a great destiny for you. He has a great dream from, for you. Even before you were born in your mother's womb, even before Adam was born, God knew you and he has a dream for you. And that dream for you is not to, for you to have a nice office in that cubicle. The dream for you is for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. To be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's God's dream for you. So imagine if that's what God is dreaming. That means he has already deposited within you everything that is required for you to go to that destiny. You don't have to wait for heaven. What we are waiting on God is for his revelation. This is Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Let this book of the law not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will make your way prosperous. Do you know it does not say that God will make your way prosperous. You will make your way. So who is not making your way prosperous? Don't blame anybody. Please. Oh, my boss is bad. My company is laying off. <laughs> you will make your way prosperous. Amen? Doesn't matter. You know what's the greatest miracle of prosperity? What I think is the greatest miracle of prosperity is when the Israelites were in wilderness and there was nothing. Moses he spoke to the rock and water came. That was what he was supposed to do. He hit the rock. That's another thing. But water came from the rock. For me, that is prosperity. But there's nothing that God brought water out of a rock. And not, not you know, not water, oh, one glass of water, guys, <laughs> as we do communion. Not that kind of water. It was like a river because two million people, their wives and their children, their cattle, their sheep, all of them had to drink water. That's prosperity. That's why I'm saying prosperity has nothing to do with money. Very little to do with money. It has more to do with you believing in God's abundance that it will flow. Doesn't matter you're in wilderness or not in wilderness, it will flow. It will keep flowing. It will keep flowing. That's why greener pastures are not Dubai. You you can experience God's abundance here, right now. Why? Why? Because I want to release this word that God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. God said, Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am your reward. I am your inheritance. Meaning, he's saying, Abraham, you did not get any gifts from the kings. That's absolutely fine. But don't worry. I am your bank balance. I am your bank balance. Isn't that crazy? God can become your prosperity. Don't put, don't put your trust in your bank balances. So our happiness, our joy, and our peace do not depend on these circumstances. Why? Because God has become that reality. And He's an unshakable reality. Unshakable reality. You know, in India, we most religions believe, you know, if 
you know what what the lord have you heard of the term fate fate if it is in your fate it will happen hai na if it is in your like you can't change your fate and whatever is written in your fate it will happen that's not what the bible says the bible does not talk about fate the bible talks about destiny and that destiny is only applicable if you say yes and god's destiny is amazing his destiny is not just heaven his destiny is to be conformed to the image of jesus so don't think if it was not written in your fate that's why it didn't happen no no you can possess you can possess everything that god has for you in fact you can possess everything that's there in this because this has become your title deed it has become your title deed and you can possess it don't blame anybody you don't have to blame anybody you know how many messages i get over and over again from people saying you know pastor please pray for me nobody gives me a job or you know uh, i'm looked down upon everybody treats me like that only only if we had the word and if we believed in the word as it says if it can happen in moses life it can happen in you in fact in fact jesus says abraham rejoiced seeing my day abraham rejoiced seeing my day do you know that all the old testament saints whom we celebrate they are rejoicing seeing you because they did not have what you have you have the holy spirit in you you have a great destiny to be conformed to the image of jesus you have the blood of jesus that speaks better words than abel you have a you have a whole new covenant they didn't have any of that but see their faith possessed a lot of things so just imagine the kind of pressure that we need to go through to possess a lot more amen let's go at once so that we can overcome them we can we are well able there's no demon no satan no lucifer no lucy in heaven or hell that can steal your destiny there's no power no power amen be as bold as a lion be as bold as a lion stay on god's word and possess it possess it possess it see what god has for you see what god has for you and possess it possess it it's worth it it's worth it do you see do you see what god sees do you see what god sees come on just close your eyes do you see what god sees god sees you justified god sees you glorified he does not see you on the journey of sanctification he sees you sanctified you're not in a journey of sanctification he sees you sanctified so just receive it by faith just receive it by faith lord i receive what you see for me that i am conformed to the image of jesus just receive it by faith receive it by faith receive it by faith receive it by faith come on come on receive it by faith come on receive it ah you receive the word by speaking so receive receive come on come on receive thank you jesus thank you jesus